Welcome to another edition of Let Me Tell You Something during our year-long journey as we watch every match that Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer has rated five stars or higher. I'm your co-host Lorcan Mullen and with me as always is my co-host Simon Cross. Simon, we're into match eight of our ten-match run of New Japan matches to be given five stars from the Meltzer man himself. Meltzer, Meltzer man. What are we talking about today? It's a return match that we've seen before. We are talking about um, a match taking place at 2016's Wrestle Kingdom on January the 4th between the winner of our previous match, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, who has earned his right to take on the IWGP world champion, Kazuchika Okada. So this is a match with many, many layers like an onion to it. And they build up... And they build up to it in the video package. So we've already talked about it before. The fundamental basis of this rivalry is a generational shift. The young Okada from, I guess you would call the fifth generation, trying to claim the title of ace and with it the notion of at the very least being the perennial IWGB heavyweight champion that had been Tanahashi's role for the previous 10, 12 years at this point. Not wanting the torch to be passed, he's looking to take the torch. Yeah. Well, I think you, you have to in a sporting environment, really, you know. I know, which always bothered me when they say, oh, it's a pass the torch moment. And I'm like, no, it's a competitive environment. The it's torch a, is a take. It's a grabbing the torch off the other guy and hitting him over the head with it until he stops talking. <laughs> but yeah, there's exactly. so many- there's so many layers to this story, and this is what's great about New Japan's long-term storytelling, partly because they don't have to worry about weekly shows and angles and everything, that they can tell this story over four years. That's how long this story's gone on, and you see in the video package. And you can chart it both through Wrestle Kingdoms, and you can also chart it through their own individual matches as wrestling rivals. So I'll tell you the wrestling rivalry aspect to it, and then we'll go into the significance of it being a Wrestle Kingdom after that. So, and also the the spin-offs from there that have affected other characters. So, Kazuchika Okada comes back from his learning excursion on the January 4th Wrestle Kingdom show in 2012. Has a not particularly inspiring comeback match against Yoshi Tatsu, which he wins in about five minutes. He comes out afterwards to challenge Tanahashi for the IWGP heavyweight title. The Tanahashi has just made a record-breaking 10th or 11th, I always get the numbers wrong, successful defense against Minoru Suzuki. Tanahashi is uh, slightly irked by the presumptuous nature of this young upstart who hasn't proven himself against anyone, but does accept the challenge as a sort of, I'll teach this kid a lesson and there's no one else really to wrestle anyway. Month later, Okada shocks the world by beating Tanahashi as a complete surprise package. Tanahashi didn't realize what he was up against. He even makes a mocking, arrogant step on the chest, foot on the chest, posing with the belt after the match. Ooh. So Tanahashi's been completely blindsided by this 23 year old that's beaten him for the title. 
They have a rematch four months later, Okada having successfully defended it once against the thought-of inheritor of the Tanahashi mantle, Tetsuya Naito. And Tanahashi reclaims his belt and order is restored to the world, it would seem. But Okada is not done yet. He wins the G1 Climax at his first attempt two months later and declares that he will challenge for the title at Wrestle Kingdom. He wants to beat Tanahashi on the grand stage, the place where a year earlier he had elicited nothing but boos and derision from the fans by even daring to challenge Tanahashi in the first place. Well, he's earned this challenge in more ways than one. They face off at Wrestle Kingdom, but Tanahashi is still the ace, still the man in charge, still has the wherewithal to win it all, and he holds the title, and and Okada has to walk away, not the champion. But Okada is resilient still. Some would say maybe that's the end of it. Tanahashi won the series 2-1. Tanahashi is the ace. Okada's like, nuh-uh, and he wins the New Japan Cup immediately challenges Tanahashi for the IWGP heavyweight title. Their fourth match in this rivalry that was the match that we saw and gave five stars to at the Sumo Hall, which saw Okada fight through and hold, and fight through Tanahashi's relentless attack on his arm and win the title back and show that he's no flash in the pan. They face off four months later at the G1 Climax where Okada and Tanahashi can't be contained to 30 minutes and it goes to a time limit draw and uh, knocks both men out of the running for... Well, no, it doesn't actually. It knocks Okada out of the running, I think, to be in the final, which Tanahashi does enter and loses to Tetsuya Naito. And Naito finally looks like he will make his ascent to challenge for the IWGP title and have his coronation, hopefully, at the next Wrestle Kingdom. Will it be against Okada? Well, Tanahashi wants one more shot at Okada's title and vows that if he doesn't beat Okada, he will never challenge him for the IWGP heavyweight title again. Okada can't turn down this opportunity. (laughs) They face off in October of 2013 and Okada wins it. So it's now been a five-match series that Okada wins 3-2 and seemingly has vanquished Tanahashi for good. And banished him into the nether regions. The nether regions of the Intercontinental Championship, where Shinsuke Nakamura challenges Tanahashi to face him at Wrestle Kingdom for the Intercontinental title. Tanahashi looking for a way to define himself now in this post-Okada world, accepts the challenge. And the New Japan office decide that they've got so big a pair of main events, Okada against Naito for the fifth generation, Tanahashi against Nakamura from the fourth generation... The fans will get to decide what headlines at Wrestle Kingdom. What do the fans choose? Tanahashi uh, versus Nakamura. Exactly. The lesser title, but the bigger stars, it would seem. So Okada still can't necessarily escape the shadow of Tanahashi being perceived by the fans as the ace and the main eventer and the guy that they want headlining Wrestle Kingdom. So he and Naito go into the semi-finals. To say Naito takes this badly would be an understatement. And we will return to how this affects Naito on a later date. So Okada has beat Naito for the and holds on to the IWGP heavyweight title. But there's a new sheriff in town. And his name... Well, he's not a sheriff, actually. He's an outlaw. He's the leader of the Bullet Club. He's AJ Styles. 
and AJ Styles wins the heavyweight title from Kazuchika Okada and keeps it away from Okada successfully thanks to Bullet Club interference. It goes to the G1 Climax of 2014. Okada does it again. He reaches the final and he wins against his chaos teammate of Shinsuke Nakamura. The second, the second places of their respective blocks face off in a third and fourth place playoff, and that's AJ Styles against Tanahashi. Tanahashi wins that match and therefore earns himself a title chance at the IWGP Heavyweight Title in between Wrestle in between the G1 Climax and Wrestle Kingdom. Oh. So Tanahashi wins the IWGP Heavyweight Title because he never said he wouldn't challenge other people for the title. Just Okada. So he now has the IWGP Heavyweight Title, and Okada thought he'd won it all, but he'd already been lost. He'd lost his main event through the fans. He'd lost the title through the Bullet Club, and he'd lost his Tanahashi free existence by sneaky Tanahashi rules. <laughs> and so he finds himself challenging Tanahashi again at Wrestle Kingdom 2015. But Okada surely knows everything that he needs to know to beat Tanahashi. He's beaten him in every environment except for Wrestle Kingdom. Wrestle Kingdom. Now it must surely be his time. No. Tanahashi wins the big one yet again. He has this, that final special extra kick. You could call him Big Match Hiroshi, maybe, if you were JBL. And Okada, who thought he'd had everything, who thought he finally earned his spot as the ace of the promotion, the IWGP heavyweight champion, the guy that headlines Wrestle Kingdoms and leaves them as the champion, having spoken to the New Japan Tokyo Dome faithful, walks away with tears in his eyes whilst Tanahashi once again, in Okada's eyes, in Okada's wet, teary eyes, steals his spotlight from him and evens the series at three apiece. Tanahashi swiftly loses the title back to AJ Styles a month or so later, so it's a very short-lived reign that only includes him winning it off Styles, defending it against Okada at Wrestle Kingdom, and losing it back to Styles. Styles holds the IWGP heavyweight title through the G1 Climax, which Tanahashi wins. But Okada had beaten AJ Styles in the run-up to the G1... During the G1 Climax block, uh, I believe. I might be wrong there. And so that earns him a title shot, just like Tanahashi had had before a year earlier in October. Okada wins back the IWGP heavyweight champion, and we're back where we were last year. But it's now Tanahashi the challenger, Okada the champion. It's the Wrestle Kingdom main event. But it's Tanahashi trying to win back his title. And Okada trying to finally claim the title of ace of the promotion. Winning it on the big stage. And obviously because Tanahashi had become the challenger before Okada had become the champion. He'd circumvented that rule that he had imposed on himself. Um, what do you think of that then for a story? It's a great story. I sort of oversimplified it in, in our WhatsApp chat uh, prior to this um, by saying basically uh, this is um, the wrestling equivalent of can Okada do it on a cold January night in Stoke? I would disagree with that. I think it's more can Tottenham do it in a big final? Can Pochettino win the the final? You know. Are you calling Okada Spursy? I'm not calling him Spursy. Is he got a touch of the Spursy about I'm not about saying him. he's got the touch of the Spurs about him, but there is a difference, you know? 
there is a difference. It's not just that can you beat Man United... Well, Man United are a poor example now. Can you beat Manchester... Can Norwich City man, beat Manchester City in a league game early on in the season where it doesn't necessarily count for as much? Yes. Could Norwich beat Man City if they both fought, uh, if they played during the fourth round of the FA Cup where Man City will not field a full-strength first team? Yes. Can a full-strength Norwich beat a full-strength Man City at Wembley Stadium for the FA Cup? I'm not putting Norwich in the Champions League final because that would be ridiculous. <laughs> but that's, would not, be... that's not exactly the same either because yeah. obviously Okada's not Norwich, you know? No. But you get no. where I'm coming well, from. Yeah, yeah. I think Spurs would be a great team to use for the Man City example. Cause... Well, it's like, you know, again, you probably should go more one-on-one. You know, there's a difference between beating Roger Federer over three over three sets. In, At the in Cincinnati Masters. Yeah. There's a difference, and then there's a difference between beating Roger Federer even in the semi-finals of a U.S. Open or a Wimbledon, as yeah. opposed to beating Roger Federer at the Wimbledon finals. You know, there is a difference, and this yeah. is what you do. This is Andy Murray having another go at beating Roger Federer. Or this Novak is someone Djokovic. trying to. Uh, this is someone trying to have another bite of the cherry, beating Rafa Nadal at the French Open. Sort yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably the best example, actually. Okada is to the IWGB heavyweight title at Wrestle Kingdom. Rafa Nadal is to the French Open final in uh, in well France, obviously, but I can't remember what it's called. Roland Garros. Roland Garros. Yeah, Roland Garros. Yeah, it's his specialty, and I think that's the overriding story of this match. There's no point really recounting a lot of the moves. It's a lot of the same, really. It's counters to counters. Tanahashi again targeting the knee this time as opposed to the arm. Mm. Um. And but what I thought was the key thing is that it's clear that Okada is the physical superior, but I think it's also clear that Tanahashi is the temperamental. Or if he if he's matching, if he's going to beat Okada, he's going to beat him in temperament, and he's going to beat him in intelligence. Yeah, he's he's got he's, that he's, assurance he, about him. He picks the lock of Okada, whereas Okada is just so physically gifted. Like I said, he's kind of got the Cristiano Ronaldo's about him that he doesn't even yeah. need to have a great overriding strategy of targeting a limb or anything. He just has to do what he does, find mm. a way to do his usual moves, even if it means changing it up a bit. Well, he and does he go after Tanahashi's historically weak neck in this he match. He doesn't target his neck nearly as much as he did in the last five-star match they had. <clears throat> Whereas Tanahashi... He... Sorry, go on. But he does he does that sort of like souped-up white noise I've not seen him do before. Um, with obviously the... The added need to the neck as well. So, in terms of like the moves, I see in, in, not in volume but in intensity to the neck. That's somewhat increased in this match. I don't recall Tanashi really selling the neck hard throughout the match. I do see Okada selling the knee, although sometimes he's a bit, he's a little bit spotty on the knee selling. It's not up there with like Minoru Suzuki's work. Mm. Um, there's, but he does still. You know, he does still do what he has. To, I think there's a bit where he does a nip up early on after he'd been had the knee targeted, and he didn't even like, like, click kick away at the knee a little bit afterwards. Which I think yeah, I think the commentator sold that and tried to brush that off as a surge well, of energy. Let's talk about the commentators. I'll, I'll just find, <laughs> oh, I'll just, oh, I will. I will just find the 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 um the the WhatsApp message I sent to you. Uh, as I gave you the link, because I had tried to find the links where I could of the English language matches. Now, 
Ross were doing uh, that. This was around the start of them bringing in... The, the previous year it had been uh, Jim Ross and one of these other commentators doing it. Yeah, I think it was Jim Ross and Matt Stryker. Well, before. that was who I was going to say. I That was my message to you. Uh, I apologise for linking English language version for New Japan match that made you listen to Matt Stryker. Do you know the worst thing about this? is I didn't realise it was a three-man booth until about 15 minutes in when Yoshi Tatsu finally said something. Oh, there's oh no- God! There was a moment, oh, yeah. not in this match, but in at some point in the commentary where Matt Stryker asked Yoshitatsu one of his stupid questions. And Tatsu replied by shaking his head, apparently. <laughs> um, he, he saw, he does nowhere near as bad, well, not as bad as that, but he does a version in this. Um, I can't remember the exact question that Stryker asks him, and it's, um, but he just goes, yes. And then Stryker kind of starts asking the follow-up question and goes, oh, I bet that makes you think about this, doesn't it? And he's just, he's just trying to drag. It's like dragging a very, very stubborn donkey uphill. Whilst also spouting utter, utter bollocks whilst you're doing it. Yeah. Stryker's so desperate to seem clever. He's, he's The way I put it is, like, I bet you he loves Christopher Nolan films. He's someone that's like, probably if you did an IQ test... He's probably slightly above the average IQ. And because of that, he thinks he's a fucking genius. Yeah. You know? Okay. I, I, yeah. Like someone that tries to join Mensa. Well, you've got to try. No, you haven't got to try. Who wants to hang around with people who want to join Mensa? People in Mensa, assumedly. Exactly. Are they people you want to deal with? I think, you're, I think you're tarring a brush there. There might be... Uh, your mic went out, Si. You need to get cleverer at using technology. You would clearly not make it into Mensa. I still can't hear you. Now I can. To have technology cut my uh, legs out from under me again? Yeah, I'm sure there's some lovely people in Mensa. At <laughs> <laughs> the same brush. Uh, and you certainly can't tie your face with a certain brush if you're Justin Trudeau at the moment. Sorry to date. (laughs) At some point, surely, even back then, if there were people that thought it wasn't a problem to wear brown face or black face, the number of times you'd be just going, I mean, you know. All that tells me. If you went to a costume party and every time you dressed up as like Slave Leia or something, you'd be like, is there something you're trying to tell us? Yeah. All that tells me is Justin Trudeau clearly didn't have as many friends that he thought he did back then. Because surely someone would have gone, are you sure about this? Uh, anyway, I might cut that out. But um, this was my note well, when, I, Trudeau, when I realized. This was my note when I realized what, uh, what what the commentary was. Kevin Kelly, yay! Matt Stryker, boo! Yoshi Tatsu, huh? <laughs> Uh, he just I, I don't think he wanted to be there. I don't think they wanted him to be there very early on. I think they felt like they had to have someone that could translate the Japanese. Maybe. Maybe. Is this before or after the um, AJ Styles neck break of Yoshitatsu? Uh, I can't recall. Because when I said, sent you in the message thinking this must be a pity hire, that's what I had in mind. It's like, oh shit, he's crippled. I think we have to do something for him. Uh, yeah. I don't think that's necessarily the right term to use anymore either, Simon. Ah, oh, well, I'm just saying that's that's probably the thought process. Matt Stryker said that Arsenal are defined by Tottenham. Yeah, that now, annoyed. I'm like, look, 
I'm not the biggest Arsenal fan in the world, but I don't think that Arsenal are defined by Tottenham. In recent years, they have been. In recent years, they yeah, in recent years they have, but you know, and that's been hilarious to watch. <laughs> but Arsenal were, you know, it's like our Villa fans aren't really defined. It's like our, well, yeah, I guess it is Villa Blues. Like our our our, our good season is defined by how well we do. Yeah. Loses season is defined by how well they do in comparison to us. Mm. Yeah, that's right, Blues fans. I said it. Come at me. <laughs> it's like I, I do hate it when they try Don't and punch shoot me from behind, like that Peaky Blubber guy did. Though. <laughs> Not bitter out about that, are you? Why should I be bitter? Jack Grealish scored the winner. <laughs> it was a win for the. It was a win for the good guys. Oh, I knew you'd do that. I knew. I knew that was how that was going to go. This oh. is the oh the, the worst. Okay, so I'm just going to rant about Matt Striker. One other thing. This was my one other night note about. All right, no one believes this will be the last ever rant about Matt Striker. The last rant the last, today. I think it's the last time he's commentated on a match that will be on this series. I believe. You hope. Well, the next one is Steve Carino uh, as the color commentator. Okay. So, shut up about wrestling names. Oh God, yeah. Oh, yeah, when he was talking about, it's not the name of the move, it's how they land. I remember this bit. And it's just like... Shut up. Just just calm down. Don't overanalyze it. And everyone who does a move that's not necessarily their trademark submission hold, it's always a modified version of that hold. To to knit back to your point about him trying to be clever and to sort of sew in the football references, uh, or soccer references, if you're from other parts of the world, uh, do you think he's a commentator that wants to be a pundit? I think he's a commentator that thinks he's a pundit. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's like trying to do tactical analysis in the match, like on the fly. And it's just like, you don't have your fancy touchscreen now and you don't have your X's and O's. Just just tell me what's happening. It's so insipid and it's so, ugh, it was the worst. But that's a sign to the greatness of this match that I was still able to ignore him. And Kevin Kelly was able to do a decent <laughs> job. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Everything Matt Stryker said. I like that. You just said you were able to ignore Matt Stryker after spending five minutes talking about Well, that was the point where it was like, I might literally just have to mute you every time you talk. That was the other one. Oh my God, I've got to talk about that as well. What he was saying towards the end. Oh, listen to the traditionally muted new Japanese crowd. He's like, shut up. Have you ever watched a New Japan main event or an All Japan main event? They lose their shit. Much like you just have. Oh, oh, I knew, I knew, I, I knew that wasn't the end. Oh. I knew that wasn't the end when you said it was the end. Oh. I knew it. It's just no. Oh. But yeah, Okada dominates pretty much the whole of the first ten minutes of the match. And like I said, Tanahashi doesn't find an note, so he's being overwhelmed physically when it's just a physical contest of them both on equal footing, as it were, fresh going into the match. And Okada looks like he's in the best shape he's ever been at this point. Like, he's never been the guy with a very defined physique, but this is as close as it came to seemingly very defined. Like, he's not very... ripped, he's lean. Yeah, he's got very low body fat at this point. And it's not like he's a blubber boy or anything. But yeah. he's Tanahashi, of... on the flip side, I think he's like going from a 6 to an 8 pack in oh, this one. Oh, he's got about a 12. <laughs> he's got a 14 pack by the end of it. Oh. Uh, like, ah, oh, man. 
Yeah. That man's got bodybuilder genes. Oh, well, yeah, maybe other things. Some people have that. Like, they work out the it same, might not but just one be genes, better. Simon. They don't have a wellness policy in New Japan. That's all I'll say. Whatever. Not to my knowledge. I don't believe they've ever had it. But they've also never had... Well, they've had some deaths, but never on the scale of what WWE... Well, has. drug use... Um... It, well, recreational drug use certainly in Japan is treated very differently. Oh, yeah, it's insane. You basically you you're ostracized. Yeah, there was a guy called Arashi who was quite a top figure in all Japan under Kijimuto. He got busted for marijuana use. Think he was in prison for like five years and couldn't yeah. work after that. Pretty much. I it's think sli- it's sli- that's probably why they don't have a wellness policy. They're like, well, society's our wellness policy. Yeah. Japan is very conservative, or at least the people in charge of Japan are very conservative in in some of those ways. Uh, Like, extramarital affairs can get you fired from your job, and it would not be considered a wrongful dismissal, you know? Bloody hell. I was going to say, half the sports stars that are trying to import would be out the on their ear then. I think we might be driving fans a bit, listeners a bit crazy, not talking enough about the match itself. But like I said, it's just... It's references to previous matches. It's Tanahashi working the knee. It's Okada trying to fight back uh, from uh, from that position. Um, again, they're both. Ba- I think Okada is basically perceived as the face going into this match, even though mm. you know Okada, Tanahashi's like Hulk, Hulk Hogan or John Cena or something. Tanahashi doesn't lay on the 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 subtle heel stuff as much in this match as he did in the previous one. I thought, like when he gets him in a submission hold, he doesn't let go. Of the hold, like after a five count or anything. Yeah, I think he's. Um, I think in a way he knows that just by being him, he pisses off Okada enough. Yeah, and therefore he doesn't need to like get into someone's head. He's like, I am in your head already. But also maybe because it's at Wrestle Kingdom, Tanahashi doesn't want to win it that way. Ah, well, possibly because this is something obviously he's always got always had over Okada mm. um, is that I can always beat you here so you wouldn't even want the hint of an asterisk against that record I could see that logic yeah so the record of the guys at this point is 3-3 three and, three and, and one, 1 in singles matches if you count the one match they had whilst Okada was a young lion then Tanahashi's winning 4-3-1 but it depends whether you think that counts or not um, but the key thing is that the Wrestle Kingdom when it's all on the line it's 2-0 and o for Tanahashi so uh, yeah, they, they they dodge each other's things. They they change it up. Uh, Tanahashi uh, Okada does a, a great uh, spot on the apron where he hits Tanahashi with a drop kick to send him to the outside. Whereas usually he does it when Tanahashi's perched on the corner. I think yeah. Tanahashi evades it, gets on the corner, and so Okada drop kicks him off from the corner. Like a springboard triangly drop kick that Jericho yeah, yeah. used to hit kind of thing. Yeah, something like that, I think. But yeah, and Tanahashi just keeps going for the knees. Um, and at one point he does like a bump and feed thing where Okada's just hitting him with everything and Tanashi's popping back up and he's trying to get back at him. Um, one thing also, I don't know if it was a... Like they say in commentary like it's a bit of work of genius, but there are a couple of moments where Tanahashi hits the left knee instead of the right knee. And the same yeah. he's trying to disable both knees, but I just wonder if it was just a lapse in concentration. <laughs> yeah, and the moment. thing is, it, it, the, the commentators don't do that glossy thing because Yoshi... Well, I guess, obviously, I don't know what role... I think Yoshi was meant to be the expert commentator. Um, but he was like, yeah, I don't know why he's doing that. Mm. It's like, brilliant, Yoshi. <laughs> like, maybe say, oh, there could be an advantage of doing that. And Matt Stryker sort of tries to cover for Yoshi. Yeah. Uh, like, I'd, as 
as much as you've already ranted about Matt Stryker, Matt Stryker is not the worst commentator in that booth, in that match, by any stretch of the imagination. He's the worst one talking in his native language. You've got me there, yes. Uh, yeah, so again, Tanahashi does these great things where he varies up his, his attacks uh, to fit the what's needed in the match. So he does a bit where he, uh, uh, he hits a dragon screw net uh, in the ropes whilst uh, Okada's trying to get back into the ring. And then he does a sling blade on the apron. Oh, he... Just before he does the one through the ropes, though, he does an even nastier one through the turnbuckle onto that. The metal turnbuckle. Yeah, combat. yeah, yeah, yeah. He like he works again. It's that sign of the intelligence. Not only does it, it's not just that he knows how to do all the moves yeah. brilliantly. He knows where to do the moves at what point and to what advantage. And without wanting to set you off again, um, there is something. Ma- <laughs> there is something he says at this point. It's like, oh yes, there is padding. There is like some uh, red no, leather padding. Fair, I think it was Kevin Kelly that said that. Ah, uh, just that bit. There's just the suggestion of uh protection which makes it sound like oh just a hint of orange jus on top of this confit this is how it came how i feel about all these apron bumps i mean it's not anything new when you think about it when rick flair would do his um his flair flip on the ropes half the time he'd get clothesline running the apron so he'd take apron bumps a fair uh, Mm. frequency but now they're so popular they're so prevalent well we've talked about it i think in the past um in in some ways we've there's an extra bit of re- relativity to it because we've all hit a, our back or our leg off of the edge of like a table. Yeah, we understand so... the significance of it. There's a yeah. much worse example in a match coming up. Um, but yeah, uh, so a one, so Tanahashi also does one of his trademark big moves to try and uh, get, re- well, not even regain control, but just to completely overwhelm Okada and he hits him with a high fly flow on the outside from the top rope again, which is just a crazy thing as a cross body. So, um, so Okada tries to get back into the ring and he falls at 16 count. And then he's struggling again at the 18 count before finally getting in on the 19. I did uh, like that. That little bit of just like, yeah, false, false. Like, like, oh, he's, he's getting back. Is he in. actually he's hurt not. and he just screwed up or something? You know? Yeah. Uh, so Tanahashi then hits a second rope high fly flow to Okada's knees similar mm. to the Suzuki match. And then it's a really a really great bit where he's trying to get him in his cloverleaf hold, which I think I'm, I I forgot to mention in the Nakamura match, he was like almost lion tamer with how he angled um, him in that. Like he, again he adapts the move to make it look as nasty as possible. What I loved was Okada's method of blocking it. It wasn't just always oh, trying to resist him and you know as much as yeah. that is just down to the guy doing the hold, just trying to act like there's resistance. Okada's literally grabbed the ankles of Tanahashi, preventing him to do a turnover. And he sort of like awkwardly jarred his body so it can't be turned flat. Mm. You can see he's like pushing his body to be in an angle where he can't turn it flat and apply all of the pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then Tanahashi, like I said, he keeps up on it when he can't get the cloverleaf on. Uh, he go, he stays at the knee and he traps Okada's leg in the ropes again, just using his intelligence. And it gets to the point when he hits him with a drop kick that Okada can't even release himself from the ropes and brings the ref over to help him out. So it's like oh, Tanahashi knows what to do in that ring better than Okada has because he has that experience edge. Yeah, and I, it's. Oh, and Red Shoes, I think, again, I don't know if it's this one or the second Cloverleaf. Uh, he does that 
stretching his ear open thing again. Mm. Um, I noticed to try and make sure like it's obvious that he's trying to listen out for the call. He's trying to sell it in his own way. Um, I, I am more and more. I'm warming to red shoes. I think. I think he rather than steel focus, which I initially thought he's trying to add it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also so when Okada gets back into it, he's able to hit uh, Tanahashi with a running drop kick to the chest. Not his high elevation jump. So maybe that's playing into the fact that his knee's bad, so he can't necessarily get that elevation. So instead, he targets uh, Tanahashi's leg, uh, Tanahashi's uh, chest. And, yeah, but, like, the, the, and the reasoning for it is because of how he is, like, it's playing into the story of the match, that he's wounded, so he can't use his best arsenal. So then Tanahashi's seated, and he's doing seated drop kicks that don't require him to jump high. That's high. Just getting him... And, and, and but again, he pop, it's, it's the speed of how quickly he's popping yeah, those yeah, yeah. off as well. And, he's again, because of his physical abilities, and he's trying to fight, again, is he... Should he be selling the knee more at that point, you could argue. Yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, but in again, some sense, energy, you're saying in terms of because he's not going for the elevation, maybe that is his way of selling the knee. Yeah. What did you make of the bit where it all got a little bit WrestleMania 19 and they hit each other's finishes on each other? That was cool, but I just want to get a point uh, before then where they actually don't use the best camera angle for a move, which is very unlike uh, New Japan. Where Tanahashi waits for Okada, uh, Okada sorry, waits for Tanahashi to get up. He's stood on the top rope, and that's a cool angle of just showing. Him. And he's not standing like in the corner; he's up in like springboard position. Like, yeah. When Shane McMahon's doing his coast to coast, because he is doing a similar long distance drop kick to Okada. Yeah. Um, again, he's not using the springboard, which would like require a lot of pressure on the knee to leap. He's like gradually working his way back up. And also it allows him that elevation that maybe he can't currently get from the high jump that he's usually reliant on. But he hits the dropkick, but you don't appreciate the distance that he's had to travel because we've seen it sort of front-facing. Yeah, always, yes. And then they do a replay where you actually see the distance that he has to cover. You can't see it as much. So would you have flipped that round? Would you have had the shots? Well, I would have done the one that they did at the replay, which is like Okada's... Instead of Okada being like in the fo- like in the background and Tanahashi in the foreground, it's Okada's to the left, Tanahashi's to the right, the extreme right of each camera of the camera, and Okada covers the whole distance of the shot to hit Tanahashi with yeah. the drop kick. But then for like just to emphasize the impact, would you have then gone for the shot they originally used as the I don't replay? Think you, I don't think you should cut on the impact. I don't. I think you should show the move in full as po- as much as possible. Cutting, no, no, no. Cutting on impact undermines it, I think. No, I'm not saying cut on impact, but maybe like just after, as they're selling, well, yeah, it's, it's not show that. It's for an action replay, but I don't think it yeah. conveys that move in its best way. Like, mm, okay. You know, I don't think you'd need... If you'd action replay that, I don't think it adds as much as it did the other way around, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, like I say, um, we get into that point where... Uh, Okada hits his ass. So again, Okada's finally got got some control back into it. Uh, he really is slow climbing the ropes, but still is able to hit a top rope elbow drop. But then, like you say, they get into a. And then he does the rainmaker pose, which is awesome. But Tanahashi, like you say, they know each other well, and it's about. And again, it's like before in the previous match, Tanahashi's kind of trying to contain Okada and hold on to it. Like it's, it's obvious that Okada's in control, but Tanahashi can always find a way out. So Tanahashi, like, he's, he's escaping Rainmaker attempts. He's turned them into roll-ups or he's dodging it and, like, trying to hit his own version of it. 
you know, um, they're catching, he catches Okada's foot and again goes after the leg. Um, and then, like you say, he's just, does uh, another dragon screw leg whip. You know, the, the, like, Okada's keeps trying to hit his finishing sequences on Tanahashi whilst Tanahashi is just trying to use every opening to go back to that knee or to sneak a victory if he can with a roll-up, you know? Yeah. Because like, I think that's the point of this match, in a sense, because Tanahashi would be happy to roll Okada up and be done with it. I, Okada, I think, wants the exclamation mark. Yeah. yeah, Tanahashi's countering, whereas Okada's trying to hit, whereas Tanahashi's... Yeah. Tanahashi... Uh, Okada is being proactive, Tanahashi's being reactive. So like Tanahashi sees, sees can... Okada coming in with the drop kick, catches him, and then yeah. there's a grounded dragon screw leg whip to hurt the knee again, you know? Yeah. So obviously like, Tanahashi would be happy he's getting better so that he can try and hit that drop kick. Yeah, Tanahashi would be happy with like any form of win so long as he got the title. Yeah. Uh whereas Okada needs to pin Tanahashi in the center of the ring. Down to Tanahashi who's not fighting to try and escape yeah. his pinning combination. He's knocked flat on his back. Staring no asterisks, no ifs, no buts, no Which is how Okada beat him every time before then as well, but not in Wrestle Kingdom. No, no, not on the big stage. And uh, you might have a wrong mic setting on your mic there, sir. So. No, not on the uh, yeah, not big stage or anything like that. He's just... It, it, it's, it, you can see, like, how much it means to him when... Um, I think it's after he hits the Rainmaker for the first time and the amount of time he's just spent just holding up his three fingers at red shoes and just going, are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nearly full man rose it. Yeah. And again, like you say, it's counters to counters. After Okada uh, is able to escape the cloverleaf that Tanahashi uh, wrenches on him by reaching the ropes, like just sort of lunging towards them, really. Um, he's like he counters the sling blade, but Tanashi counters that into a neck breaker, and then he hits the sling blade, and then he goes for high fly flow. And this is always interesting, like I said, how the knee work works. Usually, the guy pulls the knees up to block it, and that affects um, Okada. But with this one, Okada just rolls out the way because he knows his knees can't take the impact. Take the impact to hurt Okada Tanahashi. Uh, so he's, yeah, he's rolled out the way, uh, and he then tries to. Um, but it's her, it's Tanahashi that hits the next move as well, which shows how weak and Okada is. Mm. He goes for like a net breaker, um, which Okada counters. Uh, he doesn't counter it so much as rolls through it. Yeah, and yeah manages he holds to end up in the, yeah. into its pile driver. I, I really like like that as a roll through. Instead of it being like a pop up no sell, it's like a, I'm going to continue through with this. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm in it now. I'm just going to try and get the best out of it. And then he does Come. hit the Rainmaker. And this was a really good point, actually. He goes for the Rainmaker. And this pays off as well later on. Again, I don't know if this is us reading too much into it, but fuck it. You know, that's what this podcast is. After he hits the Rainmaker and he goes for the pin, the ref counts one, two. Okada puts his arm up in victory mid two. And yeah. Tanahashi gets his uh, shoulder up. And I think, yeah, as I say, this is where he's just... His, his facial expression as he's just talking to Red Shoes is like, mm. what have you... You've done that wrong somehow. That yeah. is on you. I that I hit him. 
That's enough in my so eyes. So then it's like, well, if I can't beat him with any of my moves here, I guess I'm just going to have to beat him. To beat Tanahashi, I will become Tanahashi. So he Ooh. does the jump over the top rope. No, I, I don't think it's uh, his... Does, and then he hits the high fly flow. Yeah. It's like, well, this, I don't... Is what, this is what won our last two Wrestle Kingdom main events, I guess. Yeah. I see. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's a. Oh, I'll try something else. It's a. I'm pissed off at you because you didn't die. I'm now going to kill you with your own thing just to prove how much of a knob you are. Like when John Cena did the people's went to go over the people's elbow after a rocket kicked out of the uh, uh, FU. Yeah, and that was what was his downfall, really. Although Okada, the Tanahashi, is able to kick out of that. And so, like you say. he goes for Rainmaker, Tanahashi ducks, and hits his Rainmaker. So, well, that's you, what I like about I Tanahashi. <laughs> it's like, uh, he is, by and large, the baby face in this. But he's not afraid. To, he, he's not like this pure white meat baby face. He wrestles face. in the way that the Tanahashi fans can feel happy to cheer for him throughout the whole match. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. whereas the way that he worked in the previous match that we covered, it was deliberately designed to give Tanahashi fans... Those there rooted for Tanahashi to feel more sympathy for Okada. Yeah. So I think sometimes um, some baby faces will stick too rigidly to being a baby face and like won't be a knobhead back to someone who's been a knobhead to them. Tanahashi does not have that page in his arsenal. He's like, right, okay, I'm going to rainmake eat the shit out of you. Mm. And it's interesting as well, like even though Tanahashi's the one that hits that move, it's Okada that gets up first to continue it when they do the double down. And then they're fighting over the Tombstone pile driver. Again, just Tanahashi has an answer to the Rainmaker. He's every time he's had t- answers to the Rainmaker, this time hitting him with the Sling Blade instead off of it. And then he hits a Dragon Suplex. Uh, then he does the high, the like he like how he beaten Nakamura G One Climax. High Fly Flow to the back, goes back up. High Fly Flow hits it. Fans will be thinking, is this the finish? I thought it was the finish. You thought it was the finish, but I, I actually—I—I does... I, I put my pen down as well. Like, yep, that, this is it. Uh, but uh, Tanah- uh, Okada's able to get in with a two point nine. Then Tanahashi thinks back to how he beat Okada in the past, and that was his crossbody high fly flow with another high fly flow. So he deliberately waits there for Okada to get up. Does Okada know that's what's going to happen this time, or is Okada luring Tanahashi in, or is it just instinctive? Because then Okada finally hits his drop kick into his ribs. It's yeah. beautiful. And Co- Okada has this great look on his face at this point with the gritted teeth. Um, and Tanahashi's desperately trying to fight out of the waist lock. It's 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 reminiscent of how he beat um, AJ Styles for the title in the end, where he just had to. He was fighting off the Rainmaker so much that Okada just had to turn it into a German suplex and then hold on. And that's the key thing here at this point maintains wrist control <laughs> which is a, a favored catchphrase of kevin kelly to this day and it's that thing of he's actually using intelligence in the yeah. match you know and he's finally not just using all of his moves it's like he, he knows the significance of it so okada lets go of him uh, tanashi hits his desperation slaps which he's always good for but then runs into the drop kick again so it seems like the the knee is finally just not a factor enough in Okada. He's he's been able to survive it. He's so angry. He's healed himself. Yeah. So he again. Tanashi just keeps ducking the Rainmaker or avoiding it. And this time when he ducks it, he tries to do the Sling Blade, but he's got the counter to the counter again. So Okada turns it into a German suplex. 
Tanahashi again slaps away the Rainmaker, but like you say, maintains wrist control, and there's Red Shoes literally pointing at the fact that he's holding on to the wrist, you know? And so he's just, I'm not going to let go until I've hit you with it. So he just hits him with two short Rainmakers, and he's just taking every bit of energy left in Tanahashi. Hits him with the third Rainmaker. That's it. He gets a three count and he makes sure not to raise his own arm up in victory until after the three counts yep. over this time. He's learning. Oh, so it's... I, I only, the only criticism I can have about this match is, is Okada's knee selling is a little bit off. And the structure is the same structure you've seen so many times before, but ultimately that's how it's a wrestling match, so shut up. Yeah, but that's, <laughs> that's a problem... That's we, more our problem with just watching this so much. Yeah. You know? They've yeah. been spacing this story out over four years, and we're watching bits of it here and there. You know, we watch We had the one... same problem with Masawa matches. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's no fault of them. It's what we're doing. But the, but to be fair, Masawa matches did eventually jump the shark a little bit in the later years, especially that 97 Kawada one that we always go but refer yeah. back to. This is not jumping the shark in the slightest, but it does feel no. like the end... It's obviously not the last time they're ever going to wrestle each other, but it's the last time they wrestle each other where you would make the case that Tanahashi's still the ace. This is a clear, Okada's the guy, we knew it four years ago, and now we've told our story, and now you believe us. Yeah. You know, you're, not, you're not jeering it anymore like you were when <laughs> Okada made the challenge at this event four years earlier. You can just imagine the uh, New Japan back office just screaming long-term booking and sort of yeah. pointing at a binder that they've had. <laughs> I said I think sometimes with New Japan, the way that they work pushes, you could almost put it down to like they've got a mathematical equation somewhere in their offices, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I'm going five stars with this one. Are you, Sly? How can you not? I think it... You have is to. It, okay, but the key thing is, without giving too much away, is it going to be a top ten contender, do you think? <sighs> That's for me to figure out. <laughs> not, uh, not for you to know. It's for you to actually think about it. Well, we've not had our um, all of our next ten yet, have we? We're, no, we're, we're, coming, most... we're coming close to them now. We're yeah. getting there. Uh, we're over the halfway point of this run. Yeah. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just going to let you wait and see on that. Mm. But it's a great capping to a story. Um, you could watch those... Uh, you know, these one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight matches that end in a in a final tally of four Okada wins, three Tanahashi wins, one draw. But two Okada, two Tanahashi wins at Wrestle Kingdom, one Okada win at Wrestle Kingdom, you know? Yeah. It's it's just beautiful. It's it's just beautiful how they had this plan and they've executed it, so, and and it's ended so well. Mm. As you say, like they they knew they wanted to do this from Okada's return, mm. and they've managed to land it. Mm-hmm. So like, and this is the outcome of it. I mean, like Okada is now, I think he was one of the names I first knew in New Japan. In terms of like hearing his name, um, and it's moments like this. It's just like this is, I guess, like, this is like a um, a Booker's like ideal scenario, though. That when they back a horse this long term and it gets this payoff, you know. Mm. If, if, I, if I, I guess this is like their equivalent of like a World Cup win. Yeah. 
Ah, but now expert expertly done. Yeah. So they have like yeah, they will have future matches, but the dynamic between them is is different now. Whereas Okada had gone in as the underdog really for the first few matches, or like I said, it was one v one a. Who was one? Who was one a? Now I think it is one v two. You know. Yeah. And it's uh... Tanahashi going forward will always be the underdog in these matches. Yes. Not like a not like a you know, not like a Marco stunt um, underdog, but mm. <laughs> you know, he's just not got the edge that Okada has now. Okada well, Okada's in his edge. prime, and that was the thing yeah. in this whole match. You can see Okada's in his physical prime, and Tanahashi's in his intellectual prime. You know, mm. you make up what you lose with speed and and uh, agility and uh, youthful energy with experience and understanding and ring awareness, you know? Yeah. So, that has been... And oh, oh, and it's definitely not the last Tanahashi Okada match that we will be covering in this list. No. <laughs> there is more to come. Uh, but until then, Simon, how can people get in touch with you if they want to talk about this match or other things? Uh, people get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Uh, free for the number of rainmakers you're able to hit if you maintain wrist control. Mm-hmm. My name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L O R C A N M U L L Asinine for Matt Striker's commentary, and not necessary, which stands for Yoshitatsu's commentary. <laughs> That's my Twitter account, Instagram, in, uh, Facebook, Letterboxd, to be put at gmail.com at the end of it. That's my email address. Buy my book, Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan. Listen to my other podcast, Best of Worst of British, or Bowob, if you want to look it up on the social medias. Um, get in touch with the show, lmtyspod at gmail.com. lmtyspod is also our Twitter handle. Our next episode, Simon, is going to include one of these two guys. It's a G1 Climax match. Uh, but it's going to be two teammates, two long-time allies, friends. These aren't rivals. These are contemporaries. What match are we covering next, Simon? Uh, we are sticking with Kazuchika Okada, but he's taking on Tomohiro Ishii in a G1 block match. Can't remember if it's A or B block. It's a chaos civil war. Yes. But until then, there's nothing left to say except my name's Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time until the next time.